Matthew chapter 26, if you'd turn there with your notes. Well, uh, we go this morning from singing about, quote, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and the song, the song talked about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ too. And we know that he came to earth and he came in the flesh and he came through being born as a babe. But we know that he's always eternally existed along with God from eternity past. Amen. However long eternal is, that's a hard concept for us, is it not? Always has been and always will be. So we've gone from singing about the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to talking about the plot to kill Him. The plot to kill Jesus. It's been concocted and planned for some time. It's about to come to fruition. And what I want to teach you today is this. You're looking at your outline. The plot to kill Jesus, even in the timing of His death, the circumstances of His death, God is sovereign. Now, I want you to just think about this. It surely appeared that the Romans and the religious leaders were in charge, right? It surely appeared that the Romans and the religious leaders were in charge. But when it came to the timing of Jesus' death, it did not happen when the Romans and the religious leader planned it, but it happened exactly as God planned it. Amen? So God is sovereign. Matthew 26, 1 through 5. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, you know what sayings he's talking about? We're talking about what we would call the Olivet Discourse when he left Jerusalem for the last time, told him, I won't be back. I won't, you won't see me again in the temple uh, until I come with a purpose. And so he left there. He went up on the Mount of Olives, stopped at the precipice of the Mount of Olives, and gave all the teachings in chapter 24 and chapter 25. So immediately after that, immediately after talking about coming back as the king of kings and the judge of the world, the next, he, he, takes, he takes a breath and says, but, chapter 26, verse 1, when Jesus had finished these saying, he said to his disciples, you know, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And I'll just have to tell you, it's, I, I think it's maybe like a lot of us, I think for the fourth time he says he's going to die, and for the fourth time I'm not sure it didn't just pass right over their heads. Why? Because that's not what they were looking for. They were still looking for that earthly king that was going to immediately overturn the Roman government. So we've got to be careful that we're not looking for something in the distance and miss the right now, amen? And we can surely do that spiritually. Verse 3, Then the chief priest and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. So what they were looking to do was to arrest him in secret and what they had planned to do to arrest him in secret and to wait till after the feast to kill him. That's what they were thinking in their mind. 
verse 5, but they said, not during the feast. Let's, let's don't kill him during the feast. Lest there be a uproar, a revolt among the people. May God bless the reading of and also the preaching of his word this morning. Amen. So chapter 26 begins the last and most pivotal section of Matthew's presentation of the gospel. This is where the rubber meets the road. Everything else has been a prologue. It's only been an introduction to a grand conclusion, the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So now we focus on the cross of Christ. You know the seven C's? Creation, uh, corruption, catastrophe, confusion. Well, we have got to chapter, or to number five, Christ has come, but the next thing to come is the cross. And so in my praying through the seven seas almost every day, and I want to get to the, to the place that I can tell you what date those happened. That, maybe that's one of my goals next year, is to tell you what date creation happened, what day uh, corruption happened, the dates. I hope to do that next year. So we, we, we're focused on the cross. So when I get to Christ and I get to the cross, here's something that I've added to my thinking. Cruelty, crucifixion. The cross was crucifixion, which was the most horrendous way to die, and crucifixion and cruelty, how cruel they were to the one that came to save the Jews. How cruel they were. If it were not for the cross, nothing else would come close to its ultimate value. It's through the cross alone that sinners can be saved and united to Him. Only through the cross. There's no salvation, no gospel, no biblical Christianity apart from the cross. None. It is, it is that belief that caused Paul to write 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. You have it there. For I decided to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and Him what? Crucified. That's the most important thing for us to know. Peter, who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you came to take my place and to die on the cross to pay my penalty for my sins. That's how important the cross is. Matthew deals with the cross in a concise and straightforward way. His approach could be called an expanded account of the cross. What happened? What happened around the cross? In the last three chapters, he uses several events to pull it all together. Chapter 26, we're looking at the preparation of the cross and Jesus' arrest. Chapter 27, we'll cover Jesus' trials, execution, and burial. Chapter 28 tells of his resurrection as his final instructions before he ascended back to heaven. So today, it's still Wednesday. A busy Wednesday. Much teaching on that Wednesday. He is taught in the temple. He has, you got a little word there if you got this note, he has woed the Pharisees. He hasn't wooed the Pharisees. You remember in chapter 23, 
He gave them 13 woes. He has woed the religious leaders for what? Hypocrisy. God hates a hypocrite. And the Pharisees were nothing but hypocrites. He left the temple and went up on the Mount of what? Olives. All right, you young people listening, you're the only ones that will get this, okay? So he left the temple, he went up on the Mount of Olives, and from here he gives us 20, chapters 24 and chapter 25. Now, you young people ready? Here, here we go. So remember in chapters 24 and 25, he said we need to be watching, preparing, working, serving, and to be what? Ready. Because Christ is coming again. He is coming again. And when he comes again, he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He's, set, he's coming to set up his rule on this earth. And guess who will rule and reign with him? Christian people, followers of Jesus. I've, I've been so blessed to uh, preach the message here and then two or three weeks later to pre- preach the messages uh, on Monday several times in the jail because I'm going back and I'm, I'm thinking about this and as I, as I preach it two or three days two or three weeks later, I pick up on some things I missed, but I also pick up on some things that, uh, that uh, I didn't miss that have really been a blessing to me. But, but remember now, the virgins were watching and part of them were prepared. Remember that in the parable of the talents, uh, they, they were working. Uh, they, they were three different uh, people that were given assignments, two of them were working, wasn't worse, one wasn't. And then in the, uh, the teaching on the sheep and the goats, uh, it was about serving people. They're giving them water, giving them food, clothing, things such as that. So that's where we were. And then without catching a breath, he just gets his breath and he gives us Matthew 26 too. You know that after two days, the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. His crucifixion was his next big event. Before he could return to glory, he had to be completely humiliated. Uh, when, when, When it comes to humiliation... The religious leaders had that down, didn't they? In humiliating Christ. Maybe the the most complete humiliation that's ever happened to anybody happened to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So after the humiliation, after his burial, he would be resurrected. Amen? Forty days here. Forty days here. He didn't just get resurrected three or four minutes later, go to heaven. Forty days here. At one time seen by 500 people. So death, three days in the tomb. The resurrection, 40 days here. Ascended to heaven in the clouds, same way in which he'll return. Enthroned. He He has a throne he's sitting on in heaven. He has taken up his place as mediator for us, praying for us. And he is waiting to come in glory. Well, as sure as all of the rest of that has happened, he is coming in glory. 
He is coming on the clouds. The, you will hear the trumpet and he will step out on the clouds. He's coming. He's coming in glory. So in chapter 26, we'll see him in the first 16 verses. I thought we were going to get through it before Christmas, but I don't think we are. We, we'll see him uh, come and foretell his own death and determine the when. He was the one that determined when he was going to die, not the authorities trying to kill him. Are you with me? In verses 3 through 5, we see the conspiracy by the religious leaders against him. In verses 6 through 13, where we'll go next week, we see a woman. Now, y'all might want to do a little study here. We see a woman in the town of Bethany by the name of Mary anointing him with precious oil not just anointing him to be anointing him, anointing him because she loves him, and in preparation for his burial, the scripture says. We'll look at that anointing. And then we'll look at one of the most tragic, disappointing events that there could ever be when Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at that, we're going to compare that to what Mary did in anointing him. Just get the two, two different pictures. We go directly from his anointing with precious oil, precious perfume, to someone betraying him. Now here's the deal we'll look at also. Both of those people have been remembered forever. What did he say? Wherever the word of God is read or taught, this woman will be remembered. Well, what's the flip side of that? And wherever the word of God is taught and preached, the one that betrayed him would be remembered. That's, that's a little thought for us. We're going to be remembered for a minute. <laughs> y'all hear me? We are going to be remembered for a minute, okay? But we'll be remembered for something. Each of these was the eternal plan of God for the redemption of the world. Each transpiring according to that master plan of Almighty God from before the foundation of the earth. Did you get that? So, we're going to quickly review the text from last week. Chapter 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So, this all comes of him speaking of the final judgment, and with him coming as the judge of the world, ruling and reigning. So, that follows right after that that uh, context of the teaching on him coming in judgment. You remember we looked at the exodus, the exodus from, from Egypt, uh, which led to the Passover celebration, which leads to our Lord's Supper celebration, which we, I thought, uh, observed in a great way last week. I think, I thought we did it right. I thought the Lord's Supper last week was, was so fitting to where we were in this teaching. And it says that Jesus would die in two days. Okay, just think about this. Two days, not nine days. 
That was the plan. Nine days was the plan of those in charge, those with authority. Nine days with plans. But Jesus says in two days. Verse 3, Then the chief priest and the elders of the people gathered gathered in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him secretly. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Those were the chief priests, scribes, elders, uh, but probably with a mixture of a few Romans thrown in for good measure. All of those people in, in authority, all of the people, you hear that, in authority were out to kill Jesus. I just can't help but to comment on that. It seems to me that everybody anywhere in the world today is out to do away with God Almighty, His Word, and His Son, Jesus Christ. You know why? Because lost people aren't comfortable talking about God and surely not comfortable talking about Jesus. So let's just get rid of Him. Well, you know what? That's not going to keep him from coming back. They were debating how to kill Christ. How they might do it quietly. But they said, not on the feast, which would begin in just two days, but in nine days when the feast would be over with. Last week, we looked at two things. Jesus, again, calls attention to his death. You know that the And after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Again, I want you to connect chapter 26, verse 1 and 2, to chapter 24 and 25. He just got through telling them that he's coming as King of kings, Lord of lords, and is the judge of the world. And then he tells them again about his death. The disciples were still thinking of his ruling and reigning with them and of him being the great judge of his coming in glory. Now, isn't this kind of, a, isn't this kind of strange? They, they were looking for him to be an earthly king that was going to overthrow the Romans and set up his rule and reign right then, right? And they were looking forward to being a part of that. Guess what? If those people were believers... And as we're believers and followers of Jesus today, there will be a day in which He rules and reigns and we will rule and reign with Him. I'm telling you, I I, I just praise God for His his providence and His leadership because when 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 I did that sermon on just a taste of heaven, just a taste of heaven, well, look, we we are auditioning Today in this life, our work in church for our position in heaven. There's going to be organization in heaven. There's going to be ruling of all nations and all peoples, which will take some organization. Guess who he's going to use? Not the heathens. Not the do-nothing people. He's going to use those same people that he used in his church here today. Number two, this is the most significant event in history. It is the primary event spoken of in all of God's Word. It is what believers must keep their focus on. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. 
If that's not one of your favorite verses, it ought to be Hebrews 9.22. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Daily we ought to encourage our souls and our minds of this momentous event. Daily we ought to remind ourselves. Daily we ought to follow it up with, Lord Jesus, you didn't deserve to die there. I did. Because that would be the truth. Galatians 6.14 But far be it from me to boast except in what? The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If we have any boasting, it's the boasting of the confidence that we put in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today the question is, who's in control? That's a good question for today. It's not George. It's not Jeff. It's not the president. Let me tell you who's in control today. It's God Almighty. And He is moving, He is moving things in the direction that He wants it to go, just like He moved those people to crucify Jesus on the Passover. Still that way. When Jesus had finished all these saying, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priest and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. Hey, this, what he said went right over their heads. We're going to kill him in nine days. Goes right over their heads. Look what it says. Then the chief priests and the elders of people gathered in the palace of the high priest. They heard all this. They, they had witnesses there. They had spies there. Whose name was Caiaphas and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast lest there be an uproar among the people. So it's either going to be in two days or nine days. Who determined that? Caiaphas? No, the Lord did. It was a day planned from the foundation to the earth. So three things lead up to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. The plot to kill Jesus, the anointing of Jesus, and the betrayal of Judas. And we're going to look at all of those. So the religious leaders are again doing what? Plotting to kill Jesus. How long have they been plotting to kill Jesus? Just about from the time he came on the scene. We know of at least four times, counting this time, that, it, that he told them, I'm going to die on the cross. And maybe more than that. But we know these four times. Matthew 21, 46. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. Those, there were people out there that knew who Jesus was. Peter was one of them. Next week, no, on, on, on Christmas, we're going to look at two of the greatest gifts ever given, and one of them is the gift that Peter didn't have. None of the apostles had. If that gives you a hint, you can think about that. So, 
here we find these religious leaders determined. They're going to get it done this time. That's what they're set about to do. They want to arrest Jesus secretly, but not during the feast, for they fear to riot. Now, it just happened to have, it just happened for them that they had a leader that could get this done. They thought. His name was Caiaphas. He was the high priest. He had been in that position some 12 years. Some 12 years. Being appointed by Pilate's predecessor. He was the son-in-law of Annas who had served as high priest prior to this time. This guy was well known politically and, and religiously. He had ties. He knew people. Caiaphas served from A.D. 18 until A.D. 36. He served 18 years. That was a long time for a high priest to serve. Well, just how long was it? Well, his successor who followed him only served 50 days. It was political as well as spiritual that had to do with this. This tells us that Caiaphas was an important man. He had clout. He knew people. He had power. And he proves this because he was a shrewd, listen to this, a shrewd, ruthless politician. He served to serve himself. He served to keep himself in power. And I want to tell you, that's one thing that's wrong with our government today. There, there are way too many that are up there. If they've been up there more than two or three or four years, they're up there to go back up there. They're not up there to serve me and you. What, what are people about? What's, what's your preacher about? What's the, what's the leaders of religious denominations about? Having political clout or being important or being politically correct? What are they about? Are they about serving God and serving people? And this is what Matthew exposes. So now listen to this. So they're in a meeting. What's that meeting all about? They're trying to have, figure out how to kill this popular among the people person and get away with it. That's what they're out to do. So in the meeting to get rid of Jesus, there was confusion. They were afraid that because of all his miracles, all the people would follow him. Now here's what really upset them. They were afraid all the people would follow him. The Romans would come in and then this hammer down on the power and control they had. That's what, that's what they thought were going to happen. People are going to follow Jesus. They're going to think we don't have control here and they're going to bring more control upon us. Listen to John eleven forty nine 49 through 50. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Now listen to this. Nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not the whole nation should perish. It sounded good, didn't it? It sounded like he was doing the right thing for the people, that one man should die. But you know what he had done? He had tipped his hand. He had tipped his hand. It, it was what he wanted. He wanted Jesus to be killed, but he wanted to paint it in such a way that it was good for all the Jews. Who was it really good for? 
It was really good for Caiaphas. It would keep him in power. So all of that brings us to this point. So the real twist to this whole conversation is verse 5. Look at verse 5. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now here's the question. Who is in control here? The real question is, who is in control here today? The real question is, who's in control in my life and your life? Who's, who's in control of what's going on in the world? It surely appears that the prince of this world, the devil, is in control. Y'all listen. But his time is short. That's why he's so active. That's why he's creating so much trouble. Because he knows his time is short. But they were, they wanted him dead. And what would they tell you? The sooner the better. But not in the next nine days. They were afraid to do it during the feast. Now, the leaders could plot. You can plot, can you not? You can make plans about where you're going to be next week. You can make plans about where you're going to be in March. You can make plans about where you're going to be on July the 4th. You can make plans, but who determines it? John Kelly surely did not mean to leave Deer Camp Saturday morning and go to St. Michael's Hospital. But that's where he ended up, did he not? Because God is the one in control here. Look at the Proverbs. I've got one in up in, in ESV and one in King James. Now just... Listen for just a second. Listen to these words. Many are the plans in the mind of a... Did you get that? Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's why there's those little initials, capital D period, capital V, period, if it's the Lord's will. You better make your plans and put DV at the end, if it's the Lord's will. Because if it's not the Lord's will, we don't want to do it anyway. Amen? King James says, there's many devices in a man's heart Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. My God is a sovereign God. My God is an absolutely sovereign God. My God is the God that determines what's going to be done and brings it about. Verse 2, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. It was God's will that Jesus would die at the exact time the Passover lambs were dying. Because from, from the Passover lamb, are you with me? From the Exodus event and that Passover lamb, all the Passover lambs down to Jesus Christ were pointing to what? Jesus Christ as being the Passover lamb, the perfect Passover lamb. 
John 1, 29, the next day saw Jesus coming towards me and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Was he pointing at some one-year-old prime sheep? No, he was pointing to the man Jesus Christ and saying, Here is your Passover lamb. And that's what I'm telling you today. There's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness without shedding of the blood. There's no forgiveness for any of us unless we see Jesus Christ as the Passover lamb. He, who is your Passover lamb? Caiaphas was the leader of a broken religious system. Let me tell you what we got in America. We have got a broken religious system. It's all about, listen, preachers are so susceptible to this. Preachers are so susceptible of wanting to be popular among the people. And they will do anything, including throwing the the Word of God under the bus to stay popular with the people. Can you not see it? In your program, almost every week, there's a thing in there from called the dissenter. I'm telling you, this guy is nothing to look at, but he is a... uh, We were talking about this morning... uh, we were talking about him. We were talking about Paul Washer. Uh, this guy, and, and you've got an article in, on, today in your deal, in Spanish and English about raising your kids to know the Lord and, and what you need to be careful about. It's a, it's a great article. But, but he and Paul Washer are so intent to call people to repentance that it just drives them. It's just, it's just who they are. But most preachers are more worried about you liking them than you're coming than they are worried about you coming to repentance for your sins. So Caiaphas was a leader of a religious, a broken religious system. I, I would, I would, I would say that's today. That's America. Did you hear me? We have a broken religious system. System, I'll I'll go a step further. A religious system being led by ungodly, unregenerated, lost people. Now, how do I know that? Anybody that throws the Word of God under the bus is a lost person. Anyone that calls wrong right is a lost person. But, wicked as he was, we're talking about this high priest. He's the only guy that could go into the Holy of Holies. Because he was the high priest. Aren't you guys glad you don't have to go through some preacher to go into the Holy of Holies? Huh? Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad that if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God and His blood for your forgiveness, you can go into the presence of the Almighty God through your intercessor, Jesus Christ? This guy supervised all the temple activities. So the Sanhedrin had assembled at Caiaphas' house to plot to kill Jesus. 
They wanted to do it undercover. They were ready to carry it out. They wanted to arrest him immediately and hold him till after the feast. Look what it says. Not during the feast, lest there might be an uproar. Now let me ask you again. When did it happen? Not, not just during the feast. On the Passover day itself. Jerusalem was swarming with pilgrims from all over the world. I told you a little of this last week. According to Josephus, 256,500 lambs were slaughtered during the feast. That would figure out to about 2 million people. Many there were from Galilee. Well, what did people from Galilee know? They knew Jesus. They knew all of those miracles that he had done in their region. They were going to be in they were going to be infuriated if they crucified this guy. Remember, these are the same people that just a few days prior, Monday to three days prior, had said, Hosanna, Hosanna to God in the highest. These same people. So this was, listen, this was the worst possible time to take action against Jesus. Are you with me? They feared a riot among the people. But the Passover is exactly the time that God chose for Jesus to die. I want you to see that our God is sovereign. And these murders would do their deed in God's time. God's time was in two days, not nine days. Jesus' enemies will finally put Jesus to death. But it will be at the exact time that they wanted to avoid. Have you not come to see yet that regardless the plans of man, God always gets his way? Huh? And, and to do it with a little twist. That somewhere down the road they, they may think, what happened here? So here's, here's the conclusion. Now Jesus knew it was his father's time for him to die. Did y'all hear that? Jesus knew. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Well, we're going to look at this on Christmas Day too. He did it because that was what God's plan was and you know, Jesus' greatest desire should be our greatest desire to do exactly what the Father wanted him to do. He, was, he has told him clearly that he'll die in two days at the beginning of the Passover. We know that three times previously he has told his followers he would die and they would rise again. He predicted it would happen where? In Jerusalem. And that he would rise on what? The third day. Listen, Jesus was on a divine timetable. Uh, by the way, you are too. By the way, I am too. He knows the day of my birth and he knows the day of my death. You know, knowing that, it'd be a smart thing to do to get on his plan. Oh, okay, so we're in that free enrollment period, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you get to be 65, you'll figure out what I'm talking about. You've got to get a supplemental insurance. So every time your phone rings, it's somebody calling for a plan. Well, I got the plan. Get on Jesus' plan. 
all that other stuff, you're going to get the hospital and they're going to say, we don't take that plan. You don't want to get to heaven and hear that you've been on the wrong plan. And Jesus is the only plan, amen? The only plan. So he was on a divine timetable, listen, that no human authority or any power, other power, could change the plan. Not to the least degree. When God plans it, it's written in stone. It's going to happen, amen? Russ referred to these, Tom taught Wednesday night, but Russ referred to these verses as we looked at that. John 10, 18. Okay, we're talking about dying on the cross. We're talking about God's plan for Jesus. Listen to this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. You know what he's talking about? His life. I lay it. I want you people to know he willingly laid down his life to save you from your sins. That's why we weep when we pray to him and talk about him. We have to weep knowing what he did willingly. Look at this. Jesus says, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Chapter 19, verse 10 and 11. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Listen to this. How would you like to have been there to heard this one? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. There were many times people tried to kill Jesus but could not do so. John 5, 18, pretty early on says, that was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You know what? They had the intent to kill him in nine days. They had the intent all along to kill him. But it was not going to happen until it fit God's plan. Are you with me? God's plan. All of these attempts to kill Jesus and maybe others that are not recorded, what they do? They failed. Why? Because it was not God's plan. It was not God's time. It was not God's way. The only sovereign grace of, and only the sovereign grace of God could have brought it about. That's what brought it about. Jesus went to the cross at this time and in this manner because that's the way God planned it. No human power could have accomplished it if it were not God's will. It hadn't happened up until now, wasn't going to happen up until now because it was not God's will. No human power could now stop it because now it was what? It's God's plan. He said it's going to happen on the Passover. That's when it's going to happen. Just come around a day or two and you'll see it happening. Luke twenty-two twenty-two. For the Son of Man goes that has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. So it was all in the plan of God for what? Judas to betray him. But oh, woe to Judas for doing it. 
Acts 2.23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Look, he looked at the Jews and said, you crucified and killed him. At the hands of lawless men, even though it was God's plan, men had to bring it about and they were evil men that brought it about. The appropriate and God-ordained time for Jesus to die was at the Passover. John 1, 29, the next day saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All the other lambs to die were faint symbols of what the true Lamb of God would accomplish in God's perfect time and way. This is what John Calvin says. John Calvin says that the hungry dogs opened their mouths to devour Jesus. They desired to rush upon him. God and had, had until now kept them in check. Now we see that this secret restraint, the reason that they couldn't kill him, because God wouldn't allow it. In their own power, they, they want to delay till after the feast. But now God hastens the hour by seven days. It's so important to see that Jesus was not dragged to death by his enemies. Jesus was led to his death by the providence of God. He was offered to God as the sacrifice offered and appointed from the foundation of the earth. God ordained that Jesus be offered up on the Passover. This ancient observance of being led out of Israel gives way to the only sacrifice, that Passover lamb gave way to Jesus Christ, that once for all would bring eternal redemption. How many Passover lambs were killed between the original Passover lamb and Jesus all of those were just a little bit of a symbol of who? The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. His enemy thought another time. But God who offered him as the payment for sin on the day suited to God's eternal plan. That's when Jesus died from the foundation of the earth. So what have you done with the Lamb of God? You know that Passover lamb they kept for 14 days would not have done them any good if they hadn't have done with that Passover lamb what they were told to do. Who do you say that Jesus is? What is he to you? You know, he's my Passover lamb. But he's going to have to be your Passover lamb too. And you make him that by a willful decision to repent of your sins, repent of going your own way, 
And seeing him as the Passover lamb, as the son of God, as the savior of the world, you've got to see him individually for who he is. And he must become your Passover lamb. What have you committed to him? Hey, don't you think this came at a great cost to him and to the Father? You're going to have to give up the things of the world. That's the commitment it takes. To give up whatever God asks you to give up. I don't know what it'll be. For the rich young ruler, we know what it was. What kind of commitment are you willing to make to him? Now, why is this important? Well, one of my, one of the guys I like the most in this world, haven't had much to do with him for the last, uh, since 1991, but uh, Fred Minton, postmaster at Murfreesboro for uh, a no number of years, and his wife taught our girls in school. He passed this week. So, so here's, here's the deal. Our death is coming. And if our death doesn't come, he is. And we got to be what? 